Just one minute to complete this jigsaw puzzle, and the solution is the great lineup of shows Friday evening on NBC. The Outline World Dispatch. It's Tuesday, December 19th, 2017. I'm Aaron Edwards. Today on the show, Adrian Jeffries and I talk about net neutrality and the future of the internet. Here's the dispatch. The future. Most Americans agree that everyone should have equal access to all websites on the internet. That principle is called net neutrality, and it's been enforced by the government in one way or another since the 1970s. In 2015, the Federal Communications Commission voted to put in place the strongest net neutrality rules ever. But last week, the FCC, now led by Commissioner Ajit Pai, voted to repeal those rules. So what is the FCC doing today? Well, quite simply, we are restoring the light touch framework that has governed the internet for most of its existence. We are moving from Title II to Title I. Wonkier, it cannot be. What's going on and what'll happen next? Adrian Jeffries went to Boston to find some answers. Hi, Adrian. Hello, Aaron. So what brought you to Boston? I went to Boston to meet with a group called Fight for the Future. They are this activist organization at the front of the campaign to restore net neutrality in the law. The group has 10 full-time staffers, and on the day of the vote, six of them were in this kind of cozy co-working space in Boston's South End. <laughs> How many internet activists does it take to get on a Google Hangout? Um, I just did the site updates. I think it's okay. We need Ken to do the widget updates. There are lots of organizations fighting for net neutrality. Why did you choose to focus on Fight for the Future? Right. There are other groups like the ACLU and the Internet Association. That one includes companies like Facebook and Google. But I was interested in Fight for the Future because it's the same group that was instrumental in defeating a bill called SOPA back in 2012. SOPA was another Internet freedom-restricting bill that was fully expected to pass, And it was not getting a lot of mainstream attention. But Fight for the Future coordinated website blackouts and live protests and got people to call their representatives in Congress. We urge you to call and tweet to Senators Chuck Schumer and Kirsten Gillibrand and tell them not to tamper with the Internet. And that actually worked. What happened was the largest online protest in history. That's Tiffany Chang. She is one of the co-founders of Fight for the Future. And it did. It did actually strike down the bill. Um, something that seems impossible and unimaginable. I expected that we could possibly have a mass protest, but I didn't think that Congress would actually have to listen. And what's great is that when you do show that there's massive political consensus and show up in this really loud, uh, significant way, Congress does have to listen. One of the most distressing things about our democracy right now is how hard it seems to be for grassroots activists to actually be effective against the kind of money and coordination that corporations are able to muster. So it was really interesting to me to see the internet used to organize people so effectively. And in the end, they actually defeated SOPA, which suggests that maybe they can use those same tactics to restore net neutrality. You were with them when the vote happened to overturn net neutrality. Was that a depressing moment? 
they actually didn't really care about watching it live. <laughs> um, I don't know if we're going to watch it. It's, you know, we're going to be focused on um, the next steps and actually fighting back and getting our work done. Um, and, you know, uh, I can read what Ajit Pai has to say later. <laughs> um, and we're going to be um, focused on, um, on our job of keeping the Internet free. That's Evan Greer, the campaign director for Fight for the Future. So my, for me, as, as our main person that interfaces with the media, um, it's super important to me that there aren't just a million headlines that like make people want to go jump off a bridge that are like, net neutrality is dead forever, the end. Um, so I'm hyper-focused on getting the narrative out there that there's still a way we can win this, um, of educating journalists about that and educating the public about it. How do you feel right now, having spent the past couple months fighting this really hard and knowing that there's basically nothing you can do to stop this vote from going the wrong way. I actually feel psyched um, because Ajit Pai and the telecoms that he's working for have created a crisis in Washington, D.C. And, um, you know, what they're doing today is essentially irrelevant because they've sparked such outrage from across the political spectrum. Uh, and we know that the Internet's just changed the rules for what's possible in, in our democracy. Uh, and we're about to open up a serious Internet-sized can of whoop-ass on Congress uh, and make sure that they overturn this vote. So just after 1 p.m., the commission voted to repeal the 2015 net neutrality rules. With that, we will call the vote. Commissioner Clyburn. I dissent. Commissioner O'Reilly. Aye. Commissioner Carr. Aye. Commissioner Rosenworcel. I dissent. The chair votes aye. The item is adopted with editorial privileges granted as requested. Thanks to the staff for your terrific work on this item. Madam Secretary, could you please announce the next item on today's agenda? Once the vote happened, the activists sort of quietly jumped into action. They were fundraising. They were telling people to contact their members in Congress. They were monitoring Reddit. Yeah, this is a lot of traffic right now. This is the most traffic I think I've seen during the entire fight. Actually, yeah, guys, this is the most traffic we've had during the entire fight right now. Yeah, 18,000 concurrent visitors, 19,000 on Battle for the Net. One, one super important message to spread is that... Um, That's Holmes Wilson, the other co-founder of Fight for the Future. The ISP's plan on this has essentially been to do a kind of one-two punch. One thing that I hadn't realized until I started reporting this story is that this win is kind of too shaky for the telecom industry to actually act on. It's possible that the FCC could have another change of heart in a few years, and it's possible that Congress could do something to reinstate net neutrality. And these cable companies can't really build any infrastructure or make changes to their products or make real investments until they have more assurance that this new state of affairs is actually going to last. They got the FCC to undo the rules, but then in order to kind of make that permanent, they want to use that as a kind of pretext to get Congress to pass fake legislation to save net neutrality that's actually legislation that would undermine it permanently. Um, so they're sort of like, the plan's kind of, or their plan is to kind of create a crisis by using the FCC to undo the rules and then get Congress to step in to sort of save the day, but actually pass legislation that would, that would permanently take away the FCC's ability to put back rules, to put back strong rules and, and put in place kind of weak rules that the ISPs would be fine with. So the telecom lobby or the cable lobby is trying to get its own legislation passed? Right. What's Fight for the Future's next step? There are a few ways that this is going to be challenged. Here in New York, the Attorney General Eric Schneiderman has said he will sue the FCC to block the rollback of net neutrality, and other state attorneys general are expected to join him. 
But Fight for the Future is focused on trying to reverse the FCC's decision through Congress. Under the Congressional Review Act of 1996, Congress can pass what's called a resolution of disapproval to effectively block the FCC's repeal of net neutrality. Already, Ed Markey and Chuck Schumer in the Senate and Mike Doyle in the House have said they will introduce a resolution of disapproval. So this just has to be voted on within 60 legislative working days, and that basically means they have until April. I am announcing my support for a Congressional Review Act resolution that will restore net neutrality and undo the evil repeal of it by the FCC. And all we need is a majority vote in the House and a majority vote in the Senate, and it happens. This is basically how Fight for the Future had success before with SOPA by putting pressure on Congress. Yes, they are asking people to call their members of Congress or tweet at them. They said that tweeting is surprisingly almost as effective as calling, which was interesting. And they are really optimistic about their chances. So you have faith in democracy. (laughs) Uh, I have faith in the internet and its ability to apply pressure to lawmakers in ways that frighten them enough to uh, actually engage in democracy. Do you think this effort has a chance? I think it has a chance if the proponents of net neutrality can avoid letting the issue get polarized along partisan lines. This seems to be the tactic that the telecom industry and anti-net neutrality people are trying to pursue is to make it seem like net neutrality is a liberal issue. You know, Obama endorsed it. The strong net neutrality rules, even though they were an extension of a tradition that had been in place basically since the beginning of the Internet, the strongest net neutrality rules that were ever passed were passed under Obama. It suffers from getting so much attention that it gets spun, right? And so we saw an issue that had largely been nonpartisan get spun as if, oh, well, Obama did this, so therefore it's clearly a lefty thing, right? And we had to fight that for, like, for months and months and months to get it back to where it was. Um, But we totally, I would say we've succeeded, but also I would say Ajit Pai and the telecoms have failed to make this an issue that resonated with the grassroots right. Um, Because no one, you know, conservatives, libertarians, no one wants their cable company to control what websites they can use. Um, No one wants their cable company to decide which voices can be heard and which ones can't. One poll that was really interesting that came out just before the vote was done by University of Maryland, and they really wanted to see what people actually thought about the substance of the issue. So they explained both sides of the debate in neutral terms, told people what was happening in the FCC, And what they found was that 88 percent of Democrats and 75 percent of Republicans uh, opposed the repeal of net neutrality that happened last week. So that is I mean, that's still three out of four Republicans, but it is a little bit more of a Democrat issue. So it's hard to say whether people can still make a difference in government. Like I was interested in the story, not just because I think net neutrality is important, but because It felt kind of like a test of a core function of democracy, which is that your elected officials are supposed to represent your interests. And public opinion is so overwhelmingly in favor of net neutrality, at least right now, it's like 83%. The fact that this policy was just reversed in the face of 83% support 
it makes me feel like some some piece of democracy is broken there and like it it should correct itself soon or else we maybe have something to worry about There also is one other thing that helps the net neutrality cause a lot. What's that? Comcast. Comcast. Comcast is the face of the telecom lobby against net neutrality. Comcast is an internet service provider that operates virtually as a monopoly in most of its markets. It also owns a bunch of content, including NBC Universal. In a world without net neutrality protections, which we basically live in as of last week, Comcast could theoretically promote its content over others to its customers. That gives Comcast lots of incentives to use its ownership of the internet's pipes to promote those businesses and other content businesses. Comcast owns a lot of stuff. And people really hate Comcast. Comcast has been named the worst company in America multiple times by Consumerist. It also consistently rates at the very bottom of the American Consumer Satisfaction Index. And so if you're opposed to net neutrality, you're aligning yourself with one of the most hated companies in America. You are basically saying that you trust Comcast to do the right thing when it comes to pricing and service on the internet, two things that it is notoriously bad at. The players are in place, and we know that public opinion has the potential to sway big decisions in government. So this isn't going anywhere. Yeah, no, the net neutrality drama is going to be going on for a long time. What we saw today shows that in the end, um, these lobbyists are never going to win. Um, The internet's always going to win. Thanks, you know, trying to get that sound bite for the end. Adrian Jeffries is a senior editor at The Outline. That's it for the show today. If you like what you listen to, you can subscribe anywhere you listen to podcasts, as long as the internet stays open and free. I'm Aaron Edwards. We'll be back tomorrow with more stories.